Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. lesson this morning in the sermon text comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We are in the 17th chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 9. So again, this is Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. It says, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, They saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. God. I love caller ID, don't you? I love the fact that when my cell phone rings, I can look down and I can see who it is, whether it be a family member, a friend, potential spam, or unknown caller. Kind of makes that option to accept or decline a little bit easier for all of us, doesn't it? A number of weeks ago, I got a call on my cell phone. I looked down and saw that the caller was Dare County Schools. So I answered it. The voice on the other other end identified herself as someone who works in the administrative offices at Manuel High School, and that the principal wanted to speak with me. I said, what'd he do? (laughs) She said, oh, it's not about Gray. It's about you. Hold, please. Well, when he came on, all he was wanting to do was to invite me to be on the superintendent's parent advisory board. Liz Brown is on there with us. They've asked two persons from every school to meet four times a year with the district superintendent, Mr. Steve Bassnight. We had our first meeting this past Friday. It was the first time that I had any amount of time to spend with him. But believe me when I say that our schools could not be in better hands. 
I put this on social media, but in the few hours we spent with him, you could tell that his focus, his heart, his very calling is simply doing what is best for the students of Dare County. One thing that particularly caught my attention, though, were a few statements he made about proficiency versus growth. If I get any of this wrong, you stand up and let me know. He said that we hear over and over and over again from the state that we need to measure proficiency in determining the success or failures of our students. But he said all proficiency is is one grade in one subject in one test taken on one day. He said what if instead we measure growth? Growth is what takes place from day one to day 185. Now, as you grow, you can most certainly become proficient in whatever it is that you are studying. But focusing on giving students the encouragement to grow is what is most important. That way, the learning never stops. Because learning is not one size fits all. And focusing on celebrating growth allows for each student to feel that they are important, that they matter, and they can feel that their lives are being touched by their teachers. Just because they may have moments where they fail does not mean they are failures. Why should one student that gets it in March feel shame because all the other students may have gotten it back in October? He went on to say that through the touch of a teacher by love and grace and encouragement, a student can enter into this mindset where learning never stops for them. Think back to the most influential teachers you have ever had. I guarantee if I were to ask you to tell me a little something about them, you would say something along the lines of, well, he or she really touched my heart, made me believe that I could, helped me to see my mistakes, and gave me space to correct them and grow. What about now? You ever wish you still had a teacher to help you grow through life? One that didn't measure our success or failure is based upon proficiencies of income or car type or house size or friend list or bank account or any other criteria. One that encourages us simply to grow, to overcome our mistakes in moments where we failed. One that touches our hearts and minds with a message of love and mercy and reminders that we matter. As I was reading through Matthew's account of the transfiguration of Jesus, I was reminded, yeah, we do have such a teacher. Matthew's account is filled with wonderful and amazing things. Jesus has taken three of his disciples up a high mountain, and there he is transfigured in front of them. His face shines like the sun. His clothes are dazzling white. Figures from the past, Moses and Elijah, suddenly fill the present. A cloud descends and covers all of them, and they hear the very voice of God. And Matthew seems to know that he's sharing something that is very remarkable. Again and again, he says, Behold, behold, Moses and Elijah, in verse 3. Behold, a bright cloud, in verse 5. Behold, a voice from that cloud, in verse 5. There's a lot here, so much here, to lead us away from this world into everlasting wonder at the mystery and beauty and majesty of God. But then at the very end of this account, Jesus does something that, I'll be honest, I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to until this week. 
he touches his disciples. Matthew says in verse 8, Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. At the end of all the glory of the transfiguration, we have a moment of physical touch. Jesus could have just spoken to the disciples. He could have just snapped his fingers or clapped his hands or stomped his feet, but instead he took time to reach out and touch them. For me, this moment of Jesus touching is, is filled with remarkable grace. The Almighty Father did not send His Son into the world to overwhelm us with His majesty. He did not send His Son to use His mighty power to force the world to worship Him in awe and silence. Jesus came not to overwhelm us with His majesty, but to touch us with God's love. He is the Lord in the flesh and has come to do what only God can do. He has come to touch all of our suffering, all of our wrong answers, all of our failures, and to take all of our sin so that we might become children of God, reconciled to His Father, and able to live in love with one another. By touching His disciples, Jesus brings them back into a relationship with Him, a relationship in which they don't have to have any fear. His touch here is just one moment and a much larger mission. Earlier in this same gospel, Matthew invites us to see it. Remember when Peter's mother-in-law was sick? Jesus comes into the house and heals her. But he didn't do it with a word and he didn't do it with a wave of his hand. Instead, we are told he came in and what? Touched her hand. And Matthew says, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Jesus does not just get rid of sickness. He takes it upon himself. He does not just stop at sickness either. He does the same thing with our deserved punishment for our sin. Jesus came to take upon himself our punishment. He arrived to bear in one moment. That eternal separation from his Father which we deserve. So he might open for us eternal fellowship with his Father that we do not deserve. And this fellowship comes by grace. It is experienced throughout our lives. It leads us to rise and follow Jesus without fear. We follow a Savior, friends, who has come to touch us and awaken us to life. And it is this touch that allows us to grow, allows us to learn, allows us to be freed from our mistakes. Like Peter. Take note, the beginning of our passage says, it was six days later that Jesus took them up on the mountain. And what I always try to tell you, you see something like that beginning a passage, your first question should be, six days later from what? Six days later from what? And it appeared that it is six days from a little conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. And he said, hey, who do you say that I am? In chapter 16, 16, Peter says, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Now, you and I would say what to Peter's answer? That's right. Peter gets a hundred. Right? 
Peter gets a five on the advanced placement test in regards to discipleship. Peter is proficient. But has he grown? Look at what happens next in that same chapter. Right after Peter gets a hundred on the test, Jesus tells them that he will be handed over to the authorities soon and killed and will rise from the dead. So what's Peter do? He scolds Jesus. Scolds him. No, Jesus, no. That's not right. That's not what's going to happen. And then Jesus, who just a few verses earlier had said, Peter, you will be the rock upon which I'll build the foundation of my church. Now Jesus has a new name for Peter, doesn't he? What's he call Peter now? Satan. He says, your words, Peter, are a stumbling block. Think about that. Peter goes from being proficient enough on the test to be called the foundation, the rock of the church, and now he's being called a stumbling block. Six days after this is when Peter and Jesus and the boys go up the mountain. And still, when they are mesmerized with what they see, they see Jesus with Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets. They see that now Jesus, well, he must be the culmination of God's plan. They see that he's the fulfillment of the law and the very one the prophets have spoken about. Instead of waiting and being still and listening for God, Peter says, hey, Jesus, uh, let's start building. Again, proficient on the test. But now Peter is telling Jesus that he's wrong and he's telling Jesus what they ought to be doing. No growth. And we hadn't even gotten to the part yet where on the night that he was betrayed and arrested, Peter denies Jesus not once, not twice, three times. But before we judge Peter too harshly, let's turn that spotlight on ourselves. Have you had moments of proficiency in being a Jesus follower followed by days of distrust, doubt, or denial? Yeah, we can recite the Apostles' Creed. Got that memorized. Give me my hundred. Yeah, I can recite the Lord's Prayer. Got that memorized. Give me my hundred. I have a Jesus fish on my car, so give me a hundred for that. But when it comes to loving God and loving our neighbor, We seem to not have the time, the energy, or the desire, and we'd rather just stay in our comfortable spots and routines and habits and crowds and not stand out. We proclaim Jesus is Lord, yet when called by him to act, we say, no. Or we say, no, not in that way, Jesus. I want to do it this way. Or we give the opportunity to proclaim his name. We deny him through harsh words, unholy thoughts, or ill-advised behaviors because we refuse to. To grow, and friends, if you're not growing, you're dying. Which brings us back to the touch of Jesus. Even though by all respects, Peter has found his learning stunted or stopped, does the teacher give up on him? Even after Peter scolds Jesus, even after he seems to tell Jesus what to do, even after he denies Jesus, Jesus still comes to him 
to restore him. Gospel of John chapter 21 is sometimes called the restoration of Peter. It takes place after Jesus' resurrection on the beach, which I sometimes refer to as the last breakfast. Earlier, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Now, in response to Jesus' questioning, Peter affirms his love for Jesus three times. It's a charcoal fire where Peter first denies Jesus. And now he is asked to confess his love for his master also in front of what? A charcoal fire. Dr. Witherington up at Asbury says that John has the threefold restoration take place in a setting similar to where the threefold denial did. It's like revisiting the scene of a crime, only this time getting it right. It's at this moment of restoration where the student gets to revise his assignment. That Peter now starts to learn and grow into what Jesus has called him to be, the foundation of the church. My friends, where do you find yourself this morning? Proficient, but not growing? Feeling like you have gotten it wrong too many times to possibly have any more chances to get it right? Friend, Jesus has not given up on you. Jesus wants to restore you to the abundant life that he wants you to live. He wants to take you aside and see the mistakes that you've made and the places that you've gotten it wrong and show you how to get it right. He wants you, he wants me, he wants all of us to grow. Now in Christianity, when we talk about growth, we talk about sanctification, right? Fancy word we use for it. The way we measure sanctification is, am I more in love with God and serving my neighbor today than I was yesterday? And am I praying that I'm going to love him and serve even more tomorrow? That's sanctification. That's growth. How do we love God? Through repentance and acts of piety, which include Bible reading and prayer and worship. How do we love our neighbor? Service to those inside and outside of these walls. Now, friends, as we approach this season of Lent next week, we are provided with an opportunity to be honest, to come clean, to examine where in our faith journeys we've stopped growing, where we think that we've done all that we can possibly do. And I got one request on you. Let's not bother with the cliches of, I'm going to give something up for Lent. Let's take on something. Let's start something that allows us, encourages us to grow in love of God and in love of our neighbor. Knowing that our teacher is going to be there beside us, helping us to get it right. Let us pray. Gracious and holy Father, please give me intellect to understand you, reason to discern you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, 
a spirit to know you, a heart to meditate upon you, ears to hear you, eyes to see you, a tongue to proclaim you, a way of life pleasing to you, patience to wait for you, and perseverance to look for you. Grant me a perfect end, your holy presence, a blessed resurrection, and life everlasting. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.